Jason, as it is every single week, today's episode of Lee Summit Town Hall is brought to you by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! We say it every week, Jason. These are good folks providing good service for Lee Summit and the area surrounding. Jason, I'm going to talk about one thing and one thing only with Budget Blinds this time. What is it? Automation. Automation. It's the future. The robots are coming for us all. Die! Well, look, it's not a reason to be scared. You should embrace the future, embrace the automation, embrace the fact. All hail my new robot overlord. Yes, and embrace the fact that you can sit in your comfiest chair and either at the push of a button or the use of your voice, control your window treatments and virtually everything else in your home. That sounds a lot better than a lifetime of indentured slavery to the robot overlords. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a, a new owner of the Alexa device, so I she might be taking over. That's fine. Well, if you can get Alexa to open and close your shades. I can. Alexa can open and close the shades. Alexa can turn on and turn off my lights. And all of this stuff can be set up if you go visit the fine folk at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Where do you find them, Jason? I believe they are in downtown Lee Summit. They are right on Main Street in the heart of Lee Summit. Go visit them. Tell them Jason Nick sent you. Big news, Jason. Chili Fest is coming. It is. Chili- oh, actually, let's be clear. Chili Fest is coming back. back. Chili Fest returns to Lee Summit October 5th at Bridge Space in downtown Lee Summit. Proceeds are benefiting cold water of Lee Summit. Look, I know you people. All of you. I mean, like the nine who listen to our show. I know who you are. One of those is your mother. We know. No, it's actually not my mother. They, <laughs> they download it. I don't think they actually listen. She stopped listening? They, yeah, I don't think she does. Anyway, everybody loves chili. Even my mom, actually. She loves some chili. And this is your chance to... To make chili, to bring it, and to show people how good your chili is. Because everybody really thinks, well, my chili's better than your chili. Like, I have great chili. You know what? They're wrong, though. Because my chili's better than That's what chili. I'm saying. And, and other than your chili, my, uh, <laughs> other than my chili, your chili is the best. It's fine. <laughs> so there are four categories of things to cook and show off this yeah, year. Yeah, you don't, you, you don't have to just show off your chili. No, you can show off your wings. Mm. You can show off your salsa. Mm. Oh. You can do the homestyle chili, which is, I think, Nick and I's area of expertise. And then the Cassie chili. So Nick and I are going to be on a team this year. It's Team Link to Lee Summit. We're going to go in and we're going to do that. And I think he and I are going to try to make a Cassie chili, even though we really well, I, don't look, know what we're look, doing. Look, I'm Team Beans. Oh, I know. I am too. We can do both. We can do all of the, we can do all of the above. We have multiple pieces of labor. We can manage it. But we're going to try a Cassie chili. I think we're going to try it. We're going to see how it's how how it goes and uh, and give that a shot this year to to try that out. So, but the Cassie chili is the official competition chili. There's all kinds of rules with it, um, but it's the just meat and sauce type chili. Um, it's tasty, but I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't understand that no beans. But I will do it for the cause, benefiting Cold Water of Lee Summit. Hey, and if you want to have a team, you can you can you can join in. You go to chili fest website it's bridgespace.us slash chili fest and this is also a great place if you want you if you have a local business you can have a business team you can get sponsorship that way it's a great great opportunity for team building or if you want to bring a customer or a client out with you have a little fun cook some chili hang out and if you just want to come and purchase a spoon and taste all of the chilies that all is of the okay salsa, too. all of the wings you can do that and you will have a darn good time. It is. It is a blast. Uh, doing the chili time is actually also a lot of fun. So we fully encourage everyone to come do that. You should visit bridgespace.us slash chilifest for more information. We'll see you in October. Hello and welcome to the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. 
this week we actually have a pair of segments coming on for this this show it's prepping for three weeks of a revolution the youth are going to take over the podcast we have four local teens who are going to come on and they're doing a podcast for them by them all about their generation and what they're dealing with. A lot of it stems around mental health and youth suicide prevention. This comes out of a community task force. With me today is Carrie Gray, who's leading that task force. Carrie, welcome back. You've been here before. I have. Thanks for having <laughs> me again, Nick. Uh, Terry Trafton, CEO. Is that the right? T- is that the right title for you of ComCare? We'll get into what all that means later. And Elizabeth and Elizabeth. I'm sorry, I don't remember your That's last okay. name. Okay, it's Baldwin. <laughs> Elizabeth Baldwin from Rediscover and their Suicide Prevention Task Force. Is it Task Force? Program, Program? Task Program? Force, whatever you want to call right. Roco. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Carrie, this this has been going on for a little over a year now, and this youth kind of takeover has has broken out of it. But before we dig into a lot of the different things, can you can you give us a little overview of what the task force is, why it started? Absolutely. Um, so the uh, Lee Summit Youth Mental Health and Wellness Task Force was actually formed in response to the loss of. Uh, several area youth to suicide and so a group of professionals as well as parents and youth got together and formed the task force so that we could start looking at what are we going to do to stop this you know youth youth suicide is the second leading cause of death in young people um, which is totally unacceptable and so we needed to dive in and determine why this was happening what are the risk factors and what can we do to help prevent youth suicide so what have what's come out of it so far i mean look we get together about every month but what what actually has come out what's been provided for the community it's a lot about resources i know it is um Part of it has to do with resources and collaboration, and that's what's unique about the task force. One of our first initiatives was to put together a navigation tool for families and youth who were in crisis so that they would know where they could reach out within our community to um, go see a mental health professional, such as at Rediscover Mental Health, or if they're in crisis, they could reach out to First Step for Help through ComCare and access a crisis counselor who could direct them to the type of care that they needed. I'm gonna bring bring you in now, Terry, because I think she just referenced ComCare and, and, and the, the phone line. So the company that you, you operate is actually, so if people call the crisis hotlines, they they get your people so what happens there what what happens if someone calls that line who are the people that are answering and what what service does that provide yeah so actually comcare was formed rediscover is one of the founding members of comcare and it's a behavioral management company and we operate firststepforhelp.com which is our access crisis intervention line for the community it's funded through the Department of Mental Health and the area mental health centers that work to provide services for people in the community. And in Lee Summit, that is Rediscover. So um, we operate a 24-hour helpline, and um, essentially it is staffed by licensed clinical uh, counselors. And so they are also specially trained in crisis services. And so when you call somebody, when you call the number, you get a live person. They will ask you some basic questions about what your 
needing help with, which could be anywhere from, I just need help, where do I go? And we would, in this community, say rediscover, and they have open access hours. You can walk in the door and get an assessment, and they will help triage you to the right place. Or um, it may be more severe than that, where I'm thinking about harming myself, I have a plan, um, you know, I'm going to use these means to do that and activate it. And so then we would actually activate mobile crisis response and a team from Rediscover would come out and uh, assess and work with um, the individual. And usually law enforcement is also engaged at that point in case there needs to be transport to a more safer environment, which would be an inpatient psychiatric facility. Um, and so that whole gamut and range could happen. We could just talk to you on the phone and uh, work, help you work through something, or we could uh, uh, refer you on to other providers in the community. And a lot of times people may not want services but want to know how to activate those services or strategies in the home. Um, you know, parents uh, having some stress around dealing with their kiddos. Can can a, a family member or friend who is concerned about somebody call that line too, or is it just the person that, that maybe is in crisis or sees a crisis coming? Yeah, it's any and all above. Um, actually, a lot of our calls are concerned friends, family members, parents. Um, you know, we also get people that are struggling themselves and want to know uh, what to do and don't really understand the system and don't really know how to access it. Um, I think... You know, hopefully we continue to educate the community around um, help is here and available and we're here to help you. And I think that the Youth Mental Health Task Force is doing a great job with helping kiddos understand. Um, you know, Lee Summit Cares and working with the schools and the Lee Summit Schools and all the districts um, to really help kids and teachers understand. You know, I was um, excited to hear more and more teachers now understand the resources know where know to call us or know how to activate we have a website as well that will link you to resources and link you to rediscover's website um you know so help is available on the internet as well um but you know i think the nice thing is we have live people that are trained that can actually talk to you and help you with intervention or uh, developing a plan for care and helping yourself I want to I want to pop in and I, I'm going to try to remember to do this more than once during the show. But but can you guys give us websites, phone number? What are those resources that people can contact, whether it's a phone number or a, or a website? Okay, so like through Lisa McCares, if somebody wanted to join and get involved in the youth. Uh, well, well, I think I, I, th I think what I want is is if you you uh, you have a crisis or you know of a family member, what are those what are those helplines? Okay. Uh, ours is firststepforhelp.com. It's basically just the word spelled out, firststepforhelp.com. And we're going to put this in our show notes so okay. that when you go to your, your on your podcast player or you're on the Link to Lee Summit website, you can, you can see those there. Um, Carrie, I know you've got it right in front of you, so I'm going to have you read the phone number. It's 1-800-279-8188. And that's a 24-hour mental health crisis line through First Steps for Help. Um, Elizabeth, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. throw this one at you. Sure. I, I don't know you real well, so it's I'm okay. hoping you're gonna you're gonna an answer. And you know, we seem to be talking about this more and more, and it's a topic around this community, around a lot of communities. Why why is that? Why why are we talking about it more now? Why why is it coming into more and more conversations? 
I think, um, obviously, we know that the suicide rate is raising and it continues to do so. Um, so that's part of it. But then I think at the same time, we're finally kind of getting past that stigma. Um, it's becoming more accepted to talk about and we realize we have to talk about it to make that change um, and to get people involved. And so we've kind of crossed that uh Order. Um, maybe not everyone, but we're getting there. And so we're kind of, from my perspective, what we're doing, we're just now we're talking about it. What do we do to stop that rate from growing and to make sure everyone knows how to access help um, or how to access help for a friend? Uh, that's kind of what I've noticed from my role with the kids that I work with, as well as um, whether I'm in schools, we partner with churches, we do all kinds of different things, and that's what we've noticed. It's now okay to talk about it, but where do we go from there? I, I'm going to come back to to that being okay to talk about it and, and sure. the stigma thing, but but you mentioned that it that the percentage is rising, mm-hmm. that there is more, and, and that has been my question. We've known suicide has been a problem and been around forever. Right. Is it really happening more now, or are we just more aware? Is it both? I would say that it's both. It is definitely, we know it's happening more, but we're also more aware. Um, So maybe it does seem more dramatic just because 20 years ago, people didn't hear about the different suicides happening. Um, But yes, the rate is increasing, and um, we know a lot of it has to do with the means. And so... Not only do we want to talk about the mental health and ending the stigma and how to get help, but means matter is a big part of that. Um, and there has just been more access to lethal means, um, whether that's just because people don't know how to store things safely or because kids know how to get it or where to get it. Um, so that plays a role in that as well. What are things that we, uh, we and, and any of you can come in on the, on, on this, what are things that... that you're finding we're better at as far as talking about it, as far as having it there that that help us kind of get past that stigma. You keep talking about there's a stigma around suicide. There's a stigma around mental health. Are there, are there areas that we are better at now as far as talking about it in public? Are there, or, or you can take the reverse. Where should we be better? I think, well, I just go back to one of the first task force meetings we had, and Nick, you were there, and you were talking about how it was not acceptable to write about it in the papers and talk about it in the media and school districts wouldn't talk about the situations when they happened in the schools and it was all this veil you know around everything and secrecy and that I think has flipped in the last couple of years since we've had some pretty significant tragedies in our community and our schools and so it's given us an opportunity to talk about you know, it is okay to talk about it. Talking about it is not going to facilitate additional, um, th- you know, incidents happening. They're already happening. So people are finding out the information and figuring out how to use it as a coping strategy. And really what it boils down to is how are we being responsive to helping kids and adults develop coping strategies that are more effective and resilient and not uh, tragic. So um, I think that because the younger generation, I think, is more willing to talk about it too. When I talk to my son about some of these things, you know, he acts like it's not a big deal to talk about it, where I'm like, oh, should we talk about it? You know, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So 
um, not to put him on the spot. But <laughs> well, what are children for? But uh, he, you know, I just think that kiddos are more willing to to talk and speak up about it. And I think if you ask them, are willing. I mean, I'm so impressed with the kiddos that are working on the the youth task force and how they've went out and sought information from other kids and done surveys and come back and say, you know, no, this is, we want more help. We want mental health, health classes. We want, um, you know, a strategy to figure out how youth can, how we can help each other in the schools. You know, I think that's another big component of peer to peer support is huge and people are willing to listen to people that have like or similar problems or situations and that they've dealt with. Uh, we find that in almost every cross section of mental health and recovery services. So, um, you know, I think uh, Carrie, you were talking about it earlier, is, uh, or uh, Elizabeth, you were talking about the PASS program, or I mean, I think I, I think I just butchered the name of that program. The little QPR QPR, QPR. training <laughs> QPR totally got it wrong. That's sorry. Okay. I, you brought up at the beginning of that, and I'm going to come back to the to to the youth because I think that's the main reason we're we're all here. But I, twenty twenty five years of being in the media, we were trained in journalism school. You you don't cover suicide. You never put that in the paper. And then it was when Terry, you, and I, and a few other people sat down right after the 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 suicides that we kind of went through back-to-back in this community and that came out of we have to write about it we should write about it. so that that really changed the way the way i thought and i, I i'm gonna this is a bit of a stretch because right now our, our nations we're talking about a lot about mass shootings and, and things like that i listened uh this morning on the radio on npr and there was a a conversation about how the media covers that and they had someone on who was saying the media needs to stop covering and talking about about the the shooter, the the perpetrator of the crime, because then that's giving that person attention, and then so then others are going to see that and it'll be a copycat. That is the exact same lesson that was taught to us about covering a suicide, and so as I was listening to that and I was prepping for our conversation today, and so is that right though? Is 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 covering it? Is talking about it? Whether, whether it's in the media, whether it's you're talking about it as a family, whether you're talking about it in the schools, is that really giving attention and giving reason for somebody to copycat? I, I noticed, um, I think it was last summer when Kate Spade died, there were two different news outlets, and I honestly don't remember what they were, but one said, you know, Kate Spade, uh, purse designer, committed suicide at age whatever, the other one said Kate Spade um, died because of something related to mental health. It, just the way it was worded was so much mm-hmm. nicer. And you read these two articles with basically the same information, but one is acknowledging that it was the just her symptoms of mental health that she was struggling with. The other had this really negative connotation. And so I think it's important that we do um, let people know because that's that's how she died. That's That's just what it is but let's be respectful about it. Um, let's acknowledge that we're not going to use the word committed because that has such a negative sound to it. Um, it sounds like she did a crime. You know, she was just struggling. That was a symptom of her depression or what other mental health she was struggling with. Um, and so I think that form of reporting is definitely needed. We need to acknowledge that it's happening so people are aware. Um, 
but then being respectful how we do it also not giving too much detail just because again it comes down to the respect of that person their family um, how they have to go through things as well what about the word suicide because you just talked about the two different headlines one used the word one didn't um but you talked about you know saying death by suicide i think terry when when you were on with with that group um one of one of them and i and i can't remember which which member of that group was but but counselor so a certified person not not a dummy like me but you know said that it was important to say death by to have a cause just like you would any other any other death i guess guess my question is more around language and and how how should what language should be we be using so that we keep these conversations in the public eye and it's and it's erasing that stigma well i think um people need to better understand and i think that we're making progress in this area that we all have mental health and we have physical health and i really like the reference going back to kate spade because i saw something similar with robin williams Mm -hmm. um, where they said that he had uh, one advertisement was that he had committed suicide and said exactly how he did it whereas that we need to shift our perception and understand that a person who dies by suicide how they phrased it in robin williams situation was that he lost his struggle with intense emotional pain Mm -hmm. and i learned that through a seminar with kevin hines who has a story in a documentary about he survived a jump off the golden gate bridge and what really struck with me was that the minute his heels left the guardrail he regretted what he had done and i think that uh you know based on what he's saying people don't want to die they just don't want to suffer anymore and i think that when people are given permission to talk about things like depression anxiety that it helps them to know that they're not alone and to be able to connect with other people Um, You know, years ago, if somebody had a mental illness, the thought that would come to mind was, this person's crazy. Well, that's not the case. You know, there's things going on with them on a mental health level that are causing some shifts in perspectives, feelings, and to tell someone who is dealing, for example, with depression that they just need to suck it up and try harder is not helpful. It's not empathetic. And that's why we want to reduce that stigma so that people can go and reach out and get the help that will help them um, because we know that treatments are very effective. I I think those are all great points. Uh, I think changing the language to a more generative uh, perspective and to where we're helping people build resources and skills to cope with the problems of toxic stress in our community and our society um, just general stress it doesn't have to be toxic um, and then trauma that, that people deal with on a regular basis in various situations um, and so how do we help people realize that you know suicide is not the answer you know that's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And so how do we help people realize that there are coping strategies that it, you know, this can be better, you know, the depression can alleviate 
the anxiety can alleviate. And so what are some things that we can do around that? How can we build those skills, resilient skills? And how do we talk to people about that? And so it's really changing the language uh, about how we talk about suicide and the struggle of mental health issues and how it impacts all of our lives and all aspects of our lives, including our physical health. I mean, just about every physical um, ailment can also be complicated by the fact that, you know, dealing with cancer, usually people become depressed through that process because it's such a, you know, horrible stress on your life. So um, just recognizing those things together and being able to help people realize and understand what that what that can do to help them. Let's shift gears just a little bit um, and, and and let's kind of transition that into talking about talking about our youth, talking about kids and how and how how we can help them. Um, Terry, you just you just said earlier that it seems like they are are more willing to do it than than maybe our generations were. Um, I can tell you I don't remember ever having a conversation about it, except for maybe when there was a special episode of whatever TV show, you know, um, but, but I don't remember having those conversations and, and maybe we didn't, we didn't know better then. I don't know. Um, but, but you, you did talk about how they, they seem more willing and more, more able. So uh, Carrie, there are youth members of this community task force. There is a, a youth advisory board through, um, through Lisa McCares, mm-hmm. There are several other I've I've now found several other youth advisory boards and different programs through throughout the committee or community. But um, so tell us a little bit about how how you through this group um, how you're trying to to not only engage but but really give them a voice. Well, uh, one of the first projects that we facilitated when we pulled the task force together was to work with the youth to create a survey to better understand the the good and the bad of growing up in today's world. And so through that, uh, we surveyed almost 500 kids from different school districts um, in the metropolitan area. And we got a better perspective and insight into what it is like to be a teenager. And some of the things that uh, we learned from that survey and are continuing to process through and part of reason why we created the podcast is that kids they need to be heard they have a lot of wisdom oftentimes we as adults step back and look at a situation and think we know how to fix that situation when the reality is is that we need to as we say shut up and listen (laughs) actually as they they told us they did they basically told us that the adults need to do less talking and more listening and that's a very difficult thing to do because when you truly are listening to another person you have to work really hard they might say things that make you feel uncomfortable your perspective might be a little bit different you might feel like you have to fix that situation Um, but truly listening is something that we as an adult uh, population if you will need to work on Um, Things that the kids were sharing with us was that many of them were getting four hours of sleep at night, that they were sacrificing that restorative sleep in order to be involved in um, extracurricular activities, school activities, work activities. And the reality is there's only so much time in the day. 
And when a person is not getting the restorative sleep that they need, as Terry said, our mental health and physical health are related. And so that starts to cause problems with their immune system. If someone's already struggling a bit with depression, it could cause that to spiral. And so we're becoming more aware of some of those challenges. And that's just one that, that we learned. There were many. We did several interviews, Carrie, you mm-hmm. and I. We, we went to some, some of the youth in their classrooms, at, at schools. We did a couple of, of panels where we asked some questions with, with, in, front of, in front of some audiences. And it was, it was really hard sometimes not to try to give them advice in there because we heard them open up and mm-hmm. tell some things. And just as, as an adult, as a parent, you want to go, oh, but if you did this mm-hmm. or look at it this way. And it was really hard just to kind of, oh, no, we're going to let we're going to let them talk. I don't know. I don't know if you had that same reaction Absol- as you sit there. but Absolutely. You know, and I think that's a nurturing role, you know, as an adult, especially as a parent, I have four kids. And so when they come home and they're struggling with something, my natural tendency is to want to get rid of their pain and help fix it, or even possibly, if I'm not thinking clearly, go in and fix it for them. <laughs> but the lesson, or what we learned, the message that we got consistently across these groups was back off. You know, just listen to me, let me vent, you know, ask me questions. I'll figure it out. If I need your help, there are times when I need your help, I'll let you know. But just be a guide, be more of a consultant to me, especially as I'm growing older and getting ready to leave the house. I need to learn how to handle these different situations in a place where it's, you know, kind of safe while I'm still at home. I think it's important just hearing all of this. It's important, but it's very hard to remember that the only expert on somebody is that person. And that's true even you know when we're working with teenagers or younger than teenagers they're the ones that actually know how they're feeling and what they need we just don't always let them express that and I I think you brought up a great point just kind of you know laying low and just being there to listen and hear them out and a lot of the times if you let them do that they might solve their problems as they talk to you so what what are you seeing, Elizabeth, when you when you go out with with and I don't know if you're going into schools or if these programs are coming to you and I, I assume I'm going to assume that you're all of the above. Correct. <laughs> um, so I, I I guess what are what are you seeing as far as I'm going to start with with needs um, that maybe a community like ours could offer. Yeah. Um, or resources that a community like this could offer for for teens as they as they try to find a way to talk about these problems to deal with these kinds of issues. Um, what what can we do better? What can we provide as a community? Or are there things that we are providing that people don't know about that we need to just get that word out there? Mm-hmm. I, well, I think kids are just growing up with a different set of issues than before, and and maybe issues is the wrong word, but. Um, it's almost as if they never get a break. You know, they're at school with incredibly high expectations there, and then they go home, and um, if they're struggling with bullies, if they're struggling with something else, they're always connected with those phones. And so I think first recognizing that, it's it's different than past generations going to school. Um, and one thing that, you know, in a dream world, if I won the lottery and could do something – I would love to just have a huge drop-in center um, for youth. I think while they at times do need the adults and will go to them, they learn so much from each other and they get so much support from each other. Um, 
And obviously they're, they have friendships. They're doing activities at school where they can make those connections. But if we had a drop-in center that was ran or, you know, staffed by people who are experienced, have that clinical background that can assist if need be, but otherwise just give them a safe place to be. Uh, I know there are some places like that, but I think if we can make one more accessible, partner with schools, um, partner with, you know, places like Rediscover, ComCare, whatever it may be, just so there are more options that everyone can access. That would be I could see that going really well if if we found lots of money all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's shift now in Carrie. So we had four youth that that stepped forward out of this this thing. Uh, we're, we we did not use their last name so that they could have some semblance of anonymity in the in the community. But uh, Hudson, Riley, Mallory, and Olivia are are the four youth that that decided to participate. Now I'll chime in later, but I kind of I'm curious because we haven't talked too much what were some things that stood out to you as they formulated their own plan i mean they i just pushed buttons so they had their own their own thoughts on what to talk about and how to talk about it kind of what what caught you well i guess you know part of me was and i don't know that i should have been surprised by this uh, but each of the kids had struggled at some point in another and so we know ourselves and going through middle school and high school that that's not an easy process, but I was impressed with the willingness of each of them to share, to be vulnerable and talk about those struggles and things that they were doing to help themselves to overcome them. I would not have said, at their age, I would not have said the things that they said to each other. And these these four are not all close, tight friends. They go to different schools. Mm-hmm. They Some of them know each other, but... Most don't, so I, I would not have been that open. Yeah, that surprised me too. And I thought, wow, you know, how nice for this generation, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to be more open and talk about that. And they want to talk about that. They want to relate to other people. Um, you know, certainly they talked about social media. I didn't hear anything positive, you know, with regards to the social media piece. But they also were aware of things that they could do that would help their mental health with social media, you know, such as taking breaks from it, not having that phone in their room. But it's hard to set those personal boundaries. I, I feel like as, as a parent, and, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sweeping judgment here, all of us, that seems to be the biggest worry. Mm-hmm. And fear as parents is are the the handheld devices and the social media and their access to whatever unknowns are out there, right? But mm-hmm. I was a little taken by I think they seemed a lot more responsible as a generation and aware of the access and the portals that that social media gave, and that was mm-hmm. a very nice surprise to me. It was, and they knew how to, as as you're saying, you know, set the privacy settings. You know, uh, many of them, I think all of them who had social media were only inviting people in who they knew personally. And so they were pretty educated and e- equipped in how to navigate through some of those different things and which ones were not good and that they should stay away from. Terry, you, you you have your son is leaving high school and going to college. Do you have the same level of of trepidation and and, and worry at that with with that age? Uh, I think you always do. Um, what I do is 
I caution other parents because I think the age <coughs> continues to titrate down as to when kids are getting those devices. And I think I have some nieces and nephews and they're the, in that uh, middle, they're going into middle school age. And, you know, I know that it is very popular and I can remember my son's please and I'm the only kid in the class that doesn't have this phone and I need this phone and you know there's so much peer pressure and even the schools are using the devices and education and so it's almost like you need to teach good boundaries around it because it's almost you almost ha they almost have to have them at some point but what level of access I do like the fact that some there are um apps now coming out where you can kind of control the access of to apps and different devices and how much time um, kiddos can be on those devices but I think teaching good it sounds like good social media hygiene almost you know <laughs> it's like um, you know setting parameters limits I know that you talked about sleep deprivation and I know kids that were up in the middle and I am, you know, my son getting chats and stories from, from kids. I'm like, what are they doing up at 3 a.m. snapping stories to you? You know, it's just, uh, you know, they need to be sleeping. Mm -hmm. And so um, how do you teach that good use of the devices? Because they, they're not going away, right? And they continue to be kind of almost embedded in our hands so in all areas including adults so um, well i can't i have trouble scolding uh, my own son luckily he's and he's sitting right behind carrie right now with, holding my device and two of his um but but i also i also sit here at this table in this conversation i have a tablet i have a computer i have cameras uh, around so i have a little trouble getting all self-righteous and, yeah. and, and schooling because they they are tools and there are things elizabeth i'm gonna i'm gonna turn to you a little bit here and and what are what are you talking about when you when you go out and you're talking to youth how are you talking to them about technology and and that giant role that it plays in in all our lives let alone theirs um goes one of two ways and usually we try to hit on both but a lot of the conversation is either about self-care and is is the way you're using technology fitting into your self-care plan and if it's not what do we need to do um, and then as well as boundaries uh, a lot of the kids I work with struggle with setting boundaries with friendships relationships um, even boundaries for themselves and so then, okay, well, if we're staying up till three in the morning, do we need to set a boundary for ourselves? Or if this person is consistently uh, messaging you on Instagram and it's hateful, do we need to set a boundary with this person? Um, and then that trickles over into their day-to-day -day life. So I see a positive that way. Um, however, I've also, these kids have showed me some really neat apps. Um, one I can think of the top of my head, it's called Woebot, W-O-E-B-O-T. And it's a little robot that, um, talks to you kind of you can text it whatever you want like hey I'm really struggling um, with whatever today and then there's a response it's it was created by a couple therapists and it's pretty heavily based in DBT um, and so I'm like well that's a great way to use your phone if you're if you're struggling someday and um, it's I've seen positives that way so I think like someone said earlier they're not going away so let's see how we can get the most use out of them and um, see them as tools rather than these um, kind of hindrances. 
It was really interesting. And Carrie, you sat in on the sessions with me that where, where, where the, the youth did that recorded their podcast. And it was really interesting to me. And you'll hear over the next few weeks, you're going to hear one of them tell this story a couple of times. She brings it up about how there are times when the worlds between their social media relationships and their and their real life at school or whatever blend. Mm-hmm. And then the, and then she would also tell stories about how she had some people that they were social media friends, very close, but when it came to going to school or wherever, they rarely ever talked. Right. They didn't run in the same circles. But online, mm-hmm. if that is saying online, is that still dating us <laughs> a little bit? I feel feel like online's the old person way of saying on social media. But but on through social media, they were close, mm-hmm. and and that, I, and I don't know if that's just a generational thing, but it was really hard for me to figure out how to separate that those yeah. two things. I, no, you go ahead, Carrie. Well, I was just thinking about the anonymity. You feel a little bit of um, you know a distance protection between that phone screen, that computer tablet screen, and the person you're actually communicating with. Uh, for example, when I go in and I work with students on bullying prevention, um, and I'll ask them, why will people say things online that they would never in a million years say to someone's face? And the number one thing they say is because you can't see their reaction. And so I think adolescence obviously is a difficult time as you're trying to figure out who you are, what your identity is outside of your parents, where your future goals are, things like that. And so it might provide what is interpreted as a safe place to perhaps express feelings, thoughts, and ideas that someone might be less comfortable doing in more of a public setting. And I don't know if that's near, neither good or bad. Mm-hmm. It just is. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think mm-hmm. I had a reaction as, as good or bad on it. It was just. It, I, I almost could not relate. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that word because they are hoping, this group is hoping that they can spin this off into their own podcast. They've even come up with a title. They want to call it I Can Relate. Um, so hopefully we're going to find out in the next next few months if they're going to they're going to be able to do that. They want to spin that off and maybe once or twice a month have a show and talk to other, other of their peers and, and share their stories. And I think that's going to, this is how we're going to wrap it up a little bit, is I think that is, is what the three of you and, and everyone that is in your profession is, is really trying to do is that more people talking about it and more people sharing stories is, is is that really is that our biggest key is that we've got to open up we've got to share these stories and talk and absolutely yeah <laughs> and listen open up and listen yes <laughs> listen more exactly and it would be neat for i mean the kid what i like about it is that the the youth are creating the topics and talking about what they want to talk about but it might also be interesting if people, you know, say adults are wanting to learn to listen a little bit better, what do they need to hear? What questions do the adults have of, the, of these youth and so that they can get a, a greater perspective on some things? Well, I, that's going to wrap it up because this next segment, we're going to take a little break, and the next segment is actually going to be two members of that that group, Riley and Olivia, and they sat down with me a little bit to preview uh, what they're going to talk about and what we're going to hear from them. I encourage everybody to listen to the podcast the next three weeks. Shut up and listen, Shut right, Carrie? Shut up and listen. <laughs> uh, hear what, what some of that generation has to say and how they are working through things, and it, it will be it will be entertaining. <laughs> 
it will be eye-opening um and and i think i think also i said this a little bit when they were here carrie i think also it will make you feel really good because we have carrie we have met and and i know you're in it so you meet a lot more than i do but but we've met a lot of youth through these processes and they make you feel good about Mm -hmm. the future about the next generation and how they're going to handle things so uh one more time who wants the honors of let's 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 do the the website and the phone number one more time one eight 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 two seven nine eight one eight eight first step for help.com terry carrie elizabeth thank you guys we're gonna take a little break and we'll be back with riley thank and you. olivia thank Thanks. you well today we are joined with two of our four youth who are going to take over the lee summit town hall podcast for the next three weeks I've got Riley and Olivia with me. Who are we missing? Who are the two we're missing? Hudson and Riley, right? Yes. You guys, uh, you guys decided that that uh, you wanted to have your own voice. You wanted to talk about your topics for people like you, for other for other youth. Why? Why do you want to speak? You want to go first? You want me to? <laughs> I'll go first. Um, as teenagers nowadays we have more of a voice than you would have 10 years ago because of social media and everything else around in the world and how many topics nowadays revolve around us, but we get lost in the crowd, I would say. And so I think it's important for real life teenagers to, you actually hear us speaking like our truth on a platform for us. What do you mean when you say we get lost in the crowd? What is, what is, what does that what does that mean? Well, nowadays, um, since everyone does have access to get their voice out there, um, I feel like it's like blended almost. Everyone's kind of conforming to one mindset just to fit in, and they talk about a lot of subjects that are mainstream and not some that are really hard to talk about sometimes. Do you do you think? that and, and Riley I'll have you I'll have you chip in if you agree here okay. but do you think that that's a filter that people are filtering because they they say what they think people want to hear is that kind of where, where you're going 100 percent. um it depends on the person I feel like we here don't just because you know what judge me or not I'm just gonna speak what I believe and my opinion on this whatever but um there is a lot of people that will say what you... It depends on the situation, too. But, like, if you're on social media or something, generally I do not feel like people would do that. They yeah. speak their mind. And is social media different? Talking on social media, is that different than talking in person? Different than talking on the phone? Do you, st- do you still talk on the phone? Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> it depends. Um, yeah, so I mean, are, are there, because you just, you just brought that up with social media, so, but I mean, is talking in person different than talking, uh, are there different filters used? I think so. I mean, there has to be. If I'm talking to you via social media, it's not the same as us talking face to face. If we're talking yeah. over social media, there's a lot more non, uh, anonymity? No. Anom- uh, I cannot speak, but... <laughs> Anonymity is your Thank word. Thank you. Perfect. I need a bell. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get a little, ring a little bell. Oh, yes. every once in a while <laughs> Dictionary the big, of the day. Big words of the uh, of the day. Ding. Well, uh. well, when you're on social media, I mean, so you're connected with with lots of your friends, lots of your peers. That way, is it really anonymous? Do you feel anonymous because you can't see them? I feel like it's not that you're anonymous. It's like um, 
you're a different person on social media, I almost feel like. In real life, if I'm talking to someone about a topic, I feel like it's more of a conversation. It's flowing more. I get to hear their point of view, and I feel like I can, they see mine, and it's less of an argument. But if you're on social media and you're talking to someone on the opposing side, it's, I feel like it's more argumentative for some reason. I used to have social media in middle school, but I hated it. Like, I might get one now just because I feel like I've matured a little bit more, but I didn't like it then because I feel like people like the idea of me, but not actually me as a person because all the people who wanted to follow me, I never even like talked to. So what's the point of having them follow me if we don't actually know each other? And that's kind of why I got people are a lot different. Like what you said, different people on social media because people like popular kids would want to follow me and like. You used to pick it on me in sixth grade. Why do you want to follow me on Instagram? And they only see the highlights of your life. Yeah. Because like I don't post on Instagram when I'm, like, upset. No one's, like, having a bad day. Hashtag popcorn, Ben and Jerry's, and sweatpants. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me – okay, so so let's let's take this now to, to the podcast. So you, you guys, for the next three weeks, are going to take over my podcast on Fridays, uh, which is really cool. But what – what do you think you can do with this? How do you think you can speak differently with, the, with this to people your own age? Why, why, why this? Why are you doing this? What do you think you can do that's different? I think we're going to be the voice of like the average teen and the struggles that we go through in every day in our lives. Kind of just getting it out there that um, just getting our voices out there I feel like is really important because not everyone knows exactly what it's like and no one will ever know exactly what it's like because we're all different but I feel like if we talk about um if we just be ourselves on this and talk openly with one another it's going to just be like a relief to others especially our age to counter that a little bit you said the average team but I feel like on here we usually have Mallory and Hudson but Mm -hmm. That's four very different people on here, and I guess the big thing is I'm hoping that some of the listeners that hopefully listen to us, fingers crossed, um, kind of relate to at least one of us because, or maybe they find different things about each one of us that are like, oh, I can relate to that because there's a lot of times where people feel like they're unrelatable in a way. To like, no, they're not alone. Yeah. Like, to see us like being able to be in a room, four different, very, four very different people talking about like things that happen yeah like being honest you'll see early on that we vary on opinions but we still don't disagree like we can disagree on things and not not get along kind of we can find common ground common ground yes but like we're all four very different people so we're not all gonna like say the same thing about certain issues so i feel like hopefully people will find things that they're like oh this person's funny because or or this person I can relate to you a little bit, like, oh, I didn't know this person had the same interest as me or something, just because there are a lot of people, even in just our school, that we don't really know, and that's just, hey, I'm a voice in our community that hopefully you find something with, I guess. Yeah. What are what are some topics that you feel are are important to get out? Why, I guess I, I'm still wanting, wanting to, to learn more about why you guys came up with this idea and what you think is important to, I, I don't know if pass on is the right phrase, but pass on to your peers, share with your peers. What, what, what topics are important? What should we, and I'm going to, I'm going to say we. I'm not going to include me in that because mm-hmm. I'm an old fart. <laughs> mm. 
what should you as your group of peers, people, your generation, what what things should you be sharing? What topics should you be addressing? What are you hoping to talk about? Mm, I think, hopefully, I feel like we've already started that a little bit, but what we hope, or me particularly hope that we get out is just kind of what our life is day to day. And I feel like a lot of teens get that, but like I said earlier, we are four very different people, so maybe like four different like how days go kind of that people find that kind of I don't know if that made sense but like how our lives vary yes yeah and I know some adults are listening but it's more teens that we're trying to reach out to of like hey you know we share the same struggles and this is just kind of letting us vent and then them sharing their ideas hopefully of like what they think we should talk about and just kind of talking about what needs fixed in our community or what things we agree on or what we like about our community tackling stigmas that's a big one right there you know because we're going to talk about mental health and how it's very prominent now especially kids our age in the community even so I feel like that's really important to get out there because not everyone wants to talk about like the whole mental health issue you say it's prominent what do you what do you what do you mean what's prominent I think that um like majority of kids our age suffer from some sort of like depression anxiety eating disorders it's a wide um it's a wide like thing because it's not just oh i always feel sad so you know there's the eating disorders you have um depression which are two very different things but still kind of the same i don't know how that makes any sense but well okay but, but then let's 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 go on to you also are going to talk about you're going to talk about um technology and the, role, and the role that plays uh in your in your everyday life you're going to talk about you you mentioned this earlier riley that you're going to talk about what what a, what a normal day in the life for for you are simply put just what we do yeah yeah um that's technology i mean look that's probably the biggest thing if you go around to my generation and say what do you think of us kids yeah. we probably are going to bring up the phone definitely the iphone the, Hello. the android whatever we're going to bring that up first yeah. right mm-hmm. but if if we as parents say that's our biggest fear, are are we right? Is that is that the thing that we should be worried about? Is that the is that you think it's that? Do you think that's the topic? Um, like yes and no. You should be scared, but also <laughs> like live in fear. <laughs> live in fear. <laughs> but it's a it's a good tool, but it's also a burden almost. And yeah, we will talk about that and about how it is good and bad. I feel like with technology, too, some people aren't necessi- necessarily, geez, I need to speak, um, aren't scared of, like, technology itself, but the change technology brings with it. And I feel like that, if you ask a lot of adults, they'll maybe not admit it, some will, but, like, if they had asked what their technology was like, they'd say, oh, yeah, had a cord phone. Um, Stranger Things, for example, man. Like, that's just what I know. And... Now they see us on our phones and stuff like that, and we have more technology in our hands than they did to fly the first rocket to the moon. That's kind of crazy. No, it is crazy. I'm not that that old. (laughs) (laughs) And so the change technology brings with it is a big impact to what people could be afraid of, but also a big move forward in the path of, forget what the actual thing I was going to say, but like the march of change progressing through time. That's a big thing with technology itself. Even from five years ago, like, this iPhone, I have an iPhone 8. Compared to, like, the iPhone 5, it's crazy. Drastically different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, 
it's technology is something that's always going to be in our future. It's something that's going to shape us. And I feel like it's really important to talk about that now. Like, just technology in general and how it impacts the world and just social media on our mental health and connecting us with others. So I feel like that's a really broad topic that we'll talk about. I have a love-hate relationship with, with social media. Who doesn't? Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, uh, for my own, for my my business work that I do, it is imperative that I use social media. It's how, how I spread the word and mm-hmm. brand things. Um, I will tell you, I have also seen its incredible power to communicate. Uh, I am from the Joplin, Missouri area. In 2011, there was a giant oh, tornado yeah. that went through there. And, and I didn't live in town then, but much of my family and friends did. And there was no phone service Ooh. for weeks yeah. after that. And the way people communicated was Facebook yeah, and Facebook yeah. Messenger. And that's how they found out where people were what they were doing, how we got food and yeah. money and water and things things to them. So I have seen that, but then I am also a parent. Yep. And I read the horror stories I see and I hear I hear your generation talk about things that I don't understand because I'm old. Visco. Visco. <laughs> so how do can you relate to that? Yeah, you're making fun of me for a conversation we had earlier <laughs> in the show before we started recording. But so do you do you look at social media and technology? Do you look at that with a similar lens and that there are there are things you love about it and things you fear about it? Mm, I feel like the biggest misconception is that we all teenagers love social media and that we always want to be on it from a parent's point of view. But whenever we're among each other, we know that there's hardships that come with it and that it's not always butterflies and rainbows that there's cyberbullying and just if like the need to fit in and it's a struggle is the need to fit in through through those social media and and texting is that need to fit in the same as the need to fit in that we can all relate when we're talking about school and school groups and mm-hmm. and peer groups is that the same kind of thing like how we fit in is that what you're trying to say or that like desire to fit oh, in is that. it the same mm, i I'm not 100% sure on that because with school, you see, like, how people click together. And I know they're, like, there's no clicks in high school. There are clicks in high school. Yeah, there Catch is up. Um, it's not the jocks and the stoners anymore. It's, it's just, it's weird. <laughs> there's still a nerd click, though. Be real. But um, social media, find, trying to fit in, I feel like, is more people trying to connect with other people like them. So it's more finding who you fit with online. Mm-hmm. My school is kind of just putting yourself where you feel like you fit. And, like, school's more of a puzzle, I feel like, where you have to try and find your piece in it all. In social media, you get to put your place in the puzzle saying, I belong here, which is a good and a bad thing. School, it's much harder to fit in, I feel like, than if you are on social media because you can just block someone. You can talk to somebody, um, block somebody, and walk away if you really wanted to. But with school, you can just walk away. And that's yeah. kind of where the difference is. Do you agree with that, Olivia? That, that that social media is more you can pick your spot? Yes and no. Like, I feel like for sure you can find your, like, group of people. I have. I've met so many people through social media that have, um, I've connected with, become close with, who have helped me with things. Um, but whenever it comes locally, I feel like people from my school their popularity sometimes does come from their social media followers. Yeah. But there's also this really nice girl named Taylor. And at school, 
like, she's so nice and, and, um, but she's not, like, what you would consider the popular girl for some reason, which is weird because she's a very nice girl and very funny, but on YouTube, she has over 100,000 subscribers, and you just would never know, and it's just so interesting to me how, you know, on the internet, someone would be like, oh my god, she's, like, the most popular girl in school, but she's just normal, which I think is a good but then also we glorify people at my school who may not always be the best people like Taylor is. Yeah. That's I'm going to I'm I'm going to I'm going to do a little bit and tell you you're going to find that uh for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a good lesson to learn to learn now. I know you guys have talked about um hoping to maybe spin this off uh into into your own kind of show. You even you even have a title. <laughs> yes. I can relate. Um, I know, I know that's uh, a driving kind of theme behind things. Is, is you want to show that everyone, whether no matter their differences, they can relate, and stories can be similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so how will how will that work? What do you want a future your own podcast, your own show? How do you want that to work? How do you want people to interact with you? Um, do you mind if I go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, like you said, stories is a big part of people, and I hope futurely, or futurely, that's not a word, but in the future. I'm going to do a, when you guys are done, we're going to have a whole other show, we're going to talk about words. Yes. Okay, <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm, I'm all down because I can't even speak today. Blah. Um, so in the future, I hope that we can get the chance to share our own stories. I know we've talked about it a little bit, but I feel like each person has their own little testimony or like story about different parts of their life and it doesn't have to be one big story but it can be like different things of how they've shaped who you are because you're not just one story you're you're not like I guess it's like a book every person's got a different chapter to them that makes them who they are in the big book um so hopefully we can share our stories but I'd be really interested in seeing other people who've listened in and say hey I've got a story to share too so it's become a big community of sharing their stories to help people relate to each other on that way and help us grow stronger as individuals in that way in re- aspect 100 percent. i hope that people are feel like it's a safe space to yes. share their stories and to know they're not alone and i think it'd be interesting to have people from the community our age come in and talk with us and have a sit down conversation with them because yeah us four we're all different we all have our own stories but then bringing in an outside person to share their story and i hope people can talk to us and tell, maybe say topics that they want us to bring up. Um, I hope that we can find a way to get that through, and I hope people feel like um, secure enough to entrust us to talk about those topics. Yeah, I really hope that we can just be moderators for a bigger conversation, kind mm-hmm. of. You know, I'll just be here for the comic relief and to just interview <laughs> like you're doing, because everybody knows we need a little comic relief and, like, yes. just... That's what I'm here for, hopefully, is <laughs> just to break up the conversation and then ask different conversations or start new conversations that can just, this is kind of like the idea board or the brainstorm for a bigger conversation starter, I feel like. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and, and just say uh, you do more. Than, than offer comic relief, right? Um, you guys have already recorded the next three episodes. You haven't. I haven't let you hear them yet. I no. just pushed the buttons and recorded, but uh, I haven't let you hear them yet. Um, I'm really so you you do more 
than just the comic relief, Riley. You you, know. you guys did a fantastic job. I am I'm excited to to put these out there and let people hear what you have to say. Um, I've said this before several times. Uh, like everyone else, I love making jokes and making fun of the the next generation and y'all have oh, it easy and all make, those kind of yeah, things but i want to but i want to say this too i have met through this this community task force i have met a lot of youth mm-hmm. a lot of people your age and i will tell you this i'm ready to give you the keys you can have the keys to the world you guys are smart Sometimes. you have a mission <laughs> you want to change the world you're attentive to things that's a good thing so i'm still going to make fun of you because that's my right yes but you guys have done a good job and so I'm excited for this. Thank you for doing the show, and we'll see what happens next. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Thank you, guys. You have been listening to Lee Summit Town Hall, a link to Lee Summit podcast with hosts Nick Parker and Jason Norberry. A proud member of the Fredcast Network, you can subscribe to this podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps and catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for all the news, analysis, and conversations on the Lee Summit community. Connect with us on Facebook at Link to Lee Summit or on Twitter at LS Town Hall.